Just imagine your day in the office involved doing something for a large group of people. But these people know the words that you're about to say and the songs that you're about to sing. And they have huge expectations. The pressure of being a performer and playing a role like the Phantom of the Opera is pretty much as intense as it comes. But for musical theatre star Josh Pitterman, this is just another day in the office, night after night. In 2019, Josh had his debut as Phantom on the West End in London. And before that, he's appeared in many musicals across Australia and the UK, as well as performing as one of the 10 in the international pop opera group, The Ten Tenors. So what does Josh do on a daily basis to make sure he's always at his A-game? And how does Josh keep things fresh when it's his 200th night in a row performing as Phantom? And what did Josh learn from Ash Barty's mindset coach that was an absolute game changer? My name is Dr. Amanda Imba. I'm an organisational psychologist and the founder of behavioural science consultancy Inventium. And this is How I Work, a show about how to help you do your best work. Whenever I go to the theatre, I'm always curious as to how the performers are feeling and what they're doing in the few seconds before they step onto the stage. So I asked Josh, what would I see him doing? Oh, someone who's probably turning back at you and saying, Chookers, mate. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that's it. I, I, I like to think that before I go on stage, I'm um, sharing that moment with anyone who's, who's with me. <laughs> <laughs> what, like, are you feeling nervous or excited? I think it's like not one of those feelings that's always the same. Uh, it, it shifts and changes depending on, what, what I'm experiencing within my own life, uh, what I'm experiencing you know, outside of the walls of the theatre and, and what I'm experiencing um, just on any given day, you know, I might be feeling just so fresh and in, you know, great great voice and great spirits and, um, and I'm just like, you know, really just excited to get out there. But then there's days where it's like, oh, this is show 64 in a row, the last, you know, done eight eight a week for the last eight weeks, and I'm just spent, and I'm just thinking, just zone in and and sort of get through this and <laughs> have a have a day off on the other side or whatever, you know. So it it um, it, it differs from from moment to moment, but um, generally, what ends up happening, regardless of what I'm feeling before I'm I'm on, is Doctor Footlights just takes over, and I'm just sort of swept up by the magic of. The moment of being on stage no matter when I'm on stage. Oh that sounds that sounds quite magical. Um on those days where you know it's show 64 and you're just not feeling it, what does your pre-show almost warm up or prep look like to to get you into the zone that you need to be in? Yeah, such a good question. Um ultimately that doesn't really change for me. So you know let's say I was doing Phantom for example. I always arrive in the makeup chair having already come into the, the theatre about an hour before that and meditated for 20 minutes and done some sort of light movement and stretching, sort of yoga flowish sort of stuff and had a had a 
decent sing, like a good warm up and 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 pretty juicy sing, and and probably a, something light to eat. And then an hour before the show starts, I'd step into the makeup chair and just have good chats with you know makeup artists. And my dressing room door is always open, so whoever comes past would be stopping by and having a chat. Hopefully, if they can bear me, <laughs> um, and, and just just you know in, enjoying the community and um, and and uh, of the theatre and and the relationships and the backstage vibe and and whatnot. And so the makeup experience would take the best part of an hour, and then uh, the curtain goes up and Phantom doesn't arrive for another twenty minutes on stage. And so I'd I'd go back out, having been all made up, get my costume on, and do a little secondary, like little focus meditation, three three minutes, five minutes, a bit of body awareness stuff, just bringing myself back into the present moment, and um, sort of just get re not warm up the voice, but just get the voice cooking again after you know not having sung for the best part of an hour or so, and then the final thing I do is look into the mirror. I have a bunch of notes on that mirror that have words that might inspire me for that particular show um so a word like um animal or danger or uh romance or something just a little nuance taken oh yeah i'm feeling a bit um dangerous tonight or i'm feeling a bit romantic tonight whatever it is and then the final thing i do is look into the mirror and pop the mask on in a very ritualistic sort of manner that's the final thing i do before i um step out on stage um, so i'm big with routine i'm big with rituals how do you keep things fresh i just find it mind-boggling that idea of keeping things fresh after you've done you know maybe 200 performances of the exact same thing yeah that's it's a question i get asked a lot amantha and my theory is that it's it's i don't even think about it being the same show because it's not because it's a new moment in time Every time I go out there, it's not redoing what I did the night before. It's present moment stuff. So it's it's new. It's a new audience. We might have new cast members on, on stage or people in different plots because it's very rare that in any show that it's you get the full cast on every night. There's always a swing or an understudy coming on. or So there's always different, different energy. I'll go back to the stuff that I have on the mirror. There's normally like mm, eight to 10 words up there for any show I do and they also help me keep it fresh that you know as I said I, I took animal and danger and romance but for phantom there were words like uh, wordsmith uh, magician um, magnificent uh, obsession like and I, I take on these words and they just be like like little embers to inspire a, a sort of flame within me for or something just subtly different, subtly nuanced or or new. I'm curious as to how you go about memorizing everything that needs to be memorized when you start a new show. Something that I, I sort of have always taken with me, I learned very early in my career when it comes to learning lines is I always do it before I go to bed at night and or and the first thing I do when I wake up. So I sort of dream on it and then reiterate that as soon as I get up. So it, it just just gets it into that part of my brain quicker. And and music, I just don't know why, but I just pick that up very quickly. So um, it's probably an order of <laughs> ease for me is music, then then lines and far down the bottom, 
sitting carefully <laughs> on the bottom of the ladder is choreography. Um, but patience, practice, time, you know, it's also, yeah, it's, a, it's all a muscle that you just get better at, at using. And we all have our muscles in whatever you know, career we have that we just get good at doing certain things that we have to do on repeat. I like that trick about sort of taking advantage of that time before you go to sleep and, you know, that's such a good time for things to seep into your memory. Totally. In all sorts of ways too. And, and if there's things that you're wanting to like bring, I feel like, more into your life and, you know, when I'm not um, doing script work um, and, and not being a fool and scrolling um, before I go to bed, uh, I, I tend to journal before, before I go to bed and then journal when I get up as well. And they it tends to sort of implement certain behavioural patterns into my um, psyche and system. So I, I feel like there's a, there's a lot in in that on multiple fronts. Ah, tell me about the journaling. What, like, are you journaling with a, a purpose or with specific questions in mind? What does that look like before bed and then in the morning? Well, in the morning, it's probably the best place to start because that's how it feels like it starts me. So I always write down uh, three things I'm grateful for because gratitude, uh, I think, is like a really, just a, such an important thing to foster and uh, to nurture within our own Selves. I think we do get caught up in the, I guess, the ascensionistic nature of, of life and the consumeristic nature of life of wanting to achieve more and wanting to bring more into our lives. And not that there's anything wrong with dreaming or manifesting or whatever, but when we do that from a scarcity mentality, it's normally because we're not grateful for what we do have now. So it's just a constant reminder of all the wonderful things I do have in, in my life and, and being constantly appreciative of that. And there's something humbling and grounding about that that I always find. Um, so whether that's just like in lockdown now in Sydney, just being in, in Bondi, just being grateful for access to like the beauty of, of nature, um, being grateful for, for um, time with my, with my partner that I, I, I don't get in this way um, very, very often. Um, you know, grateful for, for the friendships that I have and um, the, the brothers and sisters in my life who always check in on me and who, who I have, you know, beautiful relationships with. So there'd be some examples. And then I write down um, some affirmations or what I call like unconditional I ams. Um, so like I am curious, I am kind, I am um, loving, I am humble, <laughs> uh, uh, I am passionate, you know, things that no matter what the situation, COVID, this, that, the other, you can't take away from, no, nothing could take away from me. Whereas if I wrote down, I am the Phantom of the Opera, well, you know, I'm, <laughs> I get to do that when I'm performing in that role, but when I'm not, I'm not. And right now I'm not. So it, things that are unconditional. And then um, three intentions. Um, so what I call uh, I wills in terms of acts of service to either myself that couldn't benefit the, my greater community and my relationships or directly to my, my relationships. So I will meditate today twice because I know that brings a more calm, measured, discerning version of myself to the outside world or I will smile at a stranger or I will uh, help a, help someone with their shopping or, you know, just, just ways of just minor acts of or major acts of, of service. And then after that, if I feel the, the need, I, I just freehand write whatever's sort of on my mind. And then at night, it's more around like 
how did I go with those things? Did I, did I um, uphold those things that I set out, you know, for, for the day? And then any to-do list stuff that um, I go, oh, yeah, I've really got to do that tomorrow. I've got to, um, so it's like a, a wrapping up of the day and setting up for the following day. Now, you've mentioned meditation a few times. Can you tell me about what kind of meditation you do? What does that look like? Yeah. Um, do you meditate? I have tried unsuccessfully, and I know that that is not a thing, being an unsuccessful meditator. Um, I've found hypnotherapy a lot more effective, which kind of gets me into a similar state, but I just find it easier. I find the whole process easier, and possibly because I grew up with um, a mother who's a clinical psychologist but specialises and also teaches hypnotherapy. So that's that's quite familiar to me, whereas when I've tried meditation – I, I struggled and I, I feel like I know that it's a practice. It's a practice for a reason. You know, you don't get perfect at it, but I, I found it difficult to, to get into a meditation habit. And, and what do you find challenging about it? Cause I'm really, I'm really interested in, in this cause I, I feel like certain things come up for people when they, they meditate that, um, that, you know, leads them off course or, puts them off doing it altogether? I think for me it was it was uh, that that sense of like I'm not making progress, I'm not feeling the impact. And I, and I think I struggled with the idea that from, you know, I think various practitioners that said, well, you, you know, you need to do it every day for a few weeks to feel an impact, whereas I feel like when I use hypnotherapy, I feel the difference, mm-hmm. um, you know, in terms of what whatever the sort of the purpose of the um, of the hypnosis is for. So I think it's that, yeah, that that lack of that immediate kind of positive reinforcement, if you like, to keep going. Yeah, I, I totally hear that, and I think you're so not not alone there. And, and whether it's hypnotherapy or for some people it might be psychedelics or you know things like psilocybin or whatever, they just want to have that extreme um, conscious awakening or transcendent experience or that that is totally um yeah yeah it's totally transcending um and uh and that meditation although can achieve a a level of that they want it instantaneously and i think it's a thing um not to like knock knock that it's a thing that i i feel like is um really pertinent um or pervades our society a lot is that the idea of of immediacy of of needing things quickly. There's a there's sort of beauty in just practicing a practice and just developing things slowly and taking time and not not winning or achieving or um or, or feeling like you're um you're making progress. Like it's just the practice is the practice. You're going to have good days, bad days. Um, sometimes I meditate and um, it's it's uh, like you know not particularly gratifying and some days I meditate and it's extremely um, gratifying that's what meditation does for me so I um, teach a couple of different forms of meditation when I'm not performing and um, and that sort of came to me going around a long way of talking about this but it sort of came to me from a lot of performance anxiety stress panic attacks all that sort of yucky mental health stuff that I was dealing with sort of 2015-ish, well, from 13 to 15. I just got to a point where I was like, this is not sustainable. Like, I, I can't exist like, like this. Something has to 
to shift. And apart from having some therapy around that, I started meditating using a, a, a technique called One Giant Mind, which is a form of uh, a being technique or a form of transcendental style meditation using a mantra. And that, that really, really helped. Um, and so subsequently um, in lockdown last year, I decided to do the four or five month teacher training on that so I could teach that to a lot of other people because I felt like people are really suffering with their mental health and that was a way I could be of service if we get back to the I wills. Um, and But since 2015, I've explored all sorts of other meditations from um, heart math to mindfulness to sort of um, chakra um, stuff to visualisation, um, tantric, uh, kundalini yoga has a fair bit of that, a lot of breath work, all sorts of different things um, that I've um, played in. And so I, I tend to teach, uh, other than one giant mind, I tend to teach a, a heart-opening style uh, mindfulness me- meditation um, and um, and that's, yes, something that I've decided that I, I need to offer more people. So like every Sunday night at five o'clock during the Sydney lockdown, I've just have been running these free Zoom sessions um, for anyone and everyone who from anywhere in the world who seems to confine them through my Instagram um, bio that you just pop on and, and it's a 20 minute guided meditation and, and, um, and everyone says thanks and sends love to each other and see you later. So um, it's been a big journey meditation as you can see by sort of the whole exploration of the last five or so minutes talking about it um, but it plays a big part in my life and I meditate um, twice a day and um, it's just something I, I hold very dear um, especially in the chaos of the outside world at the moment to have a really to have strong practices that enable calm and and um, unstressing within your inside world I think is really important. We will be back soon with Josh and talking about what he learned from Ash Barty's mindset coach that was an absolute game changer for him. And if you're looking for more tips to improve the way that you work, you might be interested in a short newsletter that I write once a fortnight, which contains three cool things that I have discovered that help me work better. So ranging from interesting research findings through to the gadgets and software that I'm loving. You can sign up for that at howiwork.co. That's howiwork.co. I want to know about health in general because, like, I I use my voice a fair bit for what I do through keynote speaking and the podcast and so on, but but it's nowhere near as as much as you would be using yours, particularly when you are in the middle of a season and you're doing eight shows a week. And I, I want to know how do you keep your vocal health and also your physical health like to where it needs to be what are some of the things that you're doing every day I'm, I'm big on as you can tell I'm, I'm, I'm quite a spiritual thinker um and I see things in maybe um some unusual ways but I I do look at vocal health under the sort of pillars of um physical emotional mental spiritual soulful health because when one is out of whack, it does affect your voice. You know, if your emotional health is not right, it's going to affect your voice. If your physical health is not in a good place, it does affect your voice. Um, if your nutrition's not not great, you know, it can it can affect your voice. You know, acid reflux and all of that can, can affect your voice. So it's it's multiple things, but on a basic 
sort of level, rest. Um, so when I finish, let's say if Phantom's always a good example, um, after, you know, saying day to people at, at stage door, I don't say a word after that until midday the next day, or if it's a matinee day, maybe 11 a.m. the next day. So just about 13 hours of just silence. Um, and that um, is really challenging on relationships and uh, requires the people who, or the person who loves me most, Lottie, um, <laughs> to, to, uh, to, to just be so compassionate and understanding and develop a great ability to lip read and to have <laughs> immense patience. So I am forever grateful for how she um, cares and loves me in that way. Um, and hydration. I, I think I'd end up drinking on a show like four to five litres of water a day. Like it's just wow. so much hydration. Um, and steam is one thing that I'll do after a show when I get back home is just uh, I have a little little steamer, little steamy pot and steam my voice because steam actually can, um, it's like a anti-inflam for the cords and water can't get into the cords, or, cords although it'll naturally hydrate over a period of time, but steam sort of directly gets the courts. So, yeah, rest, water, steam. But then, yeah, like not eating late at night really is one of the hardest ones that all people in the eight-show-a-week world struggle with because you get home and you're bloody starving, but if you if you eat too much, you eat the wrong things, you know, you end up like having acid reflux during the night and then that is actually burning your courts. Wow. What do your vocal warm-ups look like? Because you mentioned you'll do a vocal warm-up before you're in the makeup chair and then you'll do sort of a, a, a brief kind of... Have a sing. Yeah. It's like before I go out, like the final yeah. thing is just have a bit of a sing. Um, <laughs> so to, to warm up, I always start with some breath stuff. Um, so some breath exercises to sort of... Um, get this you know the breath is the support mechanism and then um i'll do some uh lip trills so things like they sound funny here just like buzzing my lips together or that with my tongue out and then i'll do um some sirens on like a, a m like a or NG sort of sounds. And then I'll do all my vowels and my scales. So my R, A, E, O, and U, my scales. And then um, and then I'll start, and so I'll go all the way up and down my range and see where my voice, what my voice is feeling like that day, iron out any little cobwebs. It's sort of like a cricketer in the nets, you know, just like, you know, facing enough balls to sort of iron out his stuff. And I know Steve Smith, like who's certainly not a singer, but um, a very great cricketer, sometimes says, oh, it takes a thousand balls for me to feel like I'm in the zone. And sometimes it takes two balls. And sometimes I feel like that with my singing, that you go, you know, I warm up for 30 seconds a month. It's all cooking. And sometimes it's like more like 15, 20 minutes to go. Ah, yeah, yeah. I just need to iron out that cobweb there and, you know, sort that little bit out, just iron over that little passage in the voice. And yeah, so um, it's, it takes a long time to develop that level of understanding of, about the voice, but that's 
really what I do. And then I start singing some material that I'm going to sing that night, you know, so maybe sing a bit of music of the night or a part of the show that I'm just, you know, the, the, night, the night before or that week had felt a bit technically funny, you know, so just, just to iron those cobwebs off there. So. Now, something I didn't do until myself and my producer did research for this show is that you've been doing work with a mindset coach and not just any mindset coach, but the same one that Ash Barty uses, Ben Crow. And I want to know what have been some of the key things that you've learned from that relationship? First and foremost, I've learned that Ben Crow is a freaking amazing human. <laughs> Um, and if people aren't following Mojo Crow on Instagram or haven't downloaded the Mojo Crow app, then, um, get on it. it he, he is, he's so intelligent and insightful and practical. What I, I learned first and foremost is something I've been working on for a, a while and I've been getting, feeling much better about, which is owning my story. And when I say owning my story, warts and all, shame and all, everything that I've experienced in my life that I'm proud of or not proud of, holding space to have to, to share that and acknowledging that I'm not perfect but I'm enough and unconditionally loving myself regardless of anything. Um, and I think that's so important for anyone who's in a performance-based uh, world where you feel like your self-worth can be governed by the last performance you did or you know, whether you're doing the, that really important gig or, or not. And your self-worth is so far beyond that. Um, it, it's helped me to fine tune, I guess, my deeper purpose, which is also something I've been working on a lot. Um, I think purpose is something that we don't talk about a lot in life in terms of deeper purpose. I think we have conditional purposes once again, where, um, you know, I'm a doctor or I'm a, lawyer, it's my purpose to do that, but, or I'm a singer or whatever it is, but there's times when we don't do that. So once again, are we worthy when we don't do, do that? Well, no, we need to have deeper purposes than that. And so, um, he helped, Ben helped me, um, get that into a paragraph or a few sentences that, that make me, you know, feel like I can, regardless of all the things that are out of my control in this big bad world at the moment, I can still fulfill my purpose. How did he do that? I mean, that sounds fascinating. Yeah. So, you know, for, for, for Ash, I think it is to um, inspire Ash Barty and inspire young Indigenous um, boys and girls to achieve their dreams because everyone deserves to um, have that opportunity. And I'm paraphrasing, and whatever, but I think that's something along those lines. So whether Ash wins Wimbledon or doesn't, she's achieved that purpose. And for me, it's, um, I, I, you know, I get spiritual and poetic because that's me, but it's opening gates to a non-ordinary world, you know, a place of colors and feelings and depth and emotion and, um, and getting out of the black and whites of life so that we all know what it means to feel and embody the wholeness of being human. How did, how did you get to that point? Because, I mean, that, that sounds amazing. Like I, like both those purposes, like yours and Ash's sort of sent shivers down my spine. How, like what sort of questions did, I don't know, did Ben ask of you or exercises to go through to get to that? It, it's, it's funny that there, there's, um, 
there's a lot of this this on on the app, but for me with with purpose, um, you know, I, I remember that chat with Ben. I I I knew that going in because I'd been doing a lot of work around that. I'd spent a lot of 2020 um, going. Hang on, if I'm not playing Phantom at the moment, why am I feeling this way? Ah, oh, it's because my identity is caught up with this show or that role or that like, and therefore my identity is caught up with it. My self worth is conditional on on that. And then if something comes in like a, a, a COVID or something that's out of my control, then my self-worth is diminished because of something that was out of my control. Now, that's not a sustainable way to live. So I had to find what that deeper purpose was. And it was an exploration of my passions. And my passions are conversation, meditation, and performance. And I've worked out that through conversation, I get to access that purpose that I was talking about, that opening the gates to an ordinary world, which we've done today and, you know, talking about things in, in different ways, definitely in meditation because that's the inward journey and certainly in performance because the arts is all about the in-betweens, um, the colours, the subjectivity. Art is not black and white. It's all the colours and I think Profoundly, maybe that's what we're missing in society at the moment. We have a lot of binary issues and dichotomies in the political and um, COVID landscape. Are you vax? No. Oh well, then you're anti-vax. Are, um, are you Biden? No. Oh, then you're pro-Trump. Like, like people like can't find the in-betweens in in life at, at the moment because um, that's what social media and media is is throwing at us. So uh, I'm all about finding those. Um, in betweens and, and using those things that I do as as a vehicle for the the deeper purpose. How does that help in terms of dealing with all the criticism and rejection that comes from a career in the arts? Yeah, oh, that's another thing that that Ben t- certainly um, helped helped me with. Um, he, he's got this great philosophy around results and outcomes. Um, and it's so simple, um, and I love him for explaining it to me in the most simplest terms. He says, every result is an equation, and the equation is A, which is your A game, which is your skill set and your mindset that you bring to the experience or situation, times B, and B is everything you can't control, i.e. what someone thinks of you or what someone says, that reviewer, what the other actor's doing in my case or the lighting guy or the sound guy, uh, the technical guys or all the things that are out of my control. Performance anxiety um, certainly comes from focusing on B, everything you can't control, and trying to control it. And we do a lot of that in all our lives. Um, It's not just in those performances. It's in uh, relationships. um, It's in workplaces. It's with COVID. um, You know, we, we... we find, you know, that um, that we we do spend a lot of time on B. Um, but if I do, if I, in my honest world, say that I brought my A game, my best version of my skill set and my mindset to this situation, well, then I've done I've done all I, all I can. And then, you know, whether they liked me in the audition room um, is out of my control, um, uh, or whether they the reviewers like me or. Andrew Lloyd Webber liked me or whatever. 
you know, we can't be liked by everyone. That's just life. Um, but if we spend our time trying to and keep shifting and chameleon ourselves to do that and adapting and changing in ways that aren't authentic to us, then um, it, it doesn't help us because we're just, we're not, we're playing the guessing game with ourselves and with everyone else. Love that. It's such a great way of looking at things and also just such a great way of, of managing nerves as well. Um, yeah. I feel like that's such an eloquent way of and simple way of, of thinking about things. And, and it means that, you know, if let's say, um, you know, I, I get to music of the night um, and I crack on the big high note one, one night, um, which has happened. Do I come out of that and go, I can come out of that and go, was that skill set or was that mindset? Or was that me focusing on B, you know? Um, and so you can objectively zoom out and look at that situation and go, you know what, I'm just bloody tired. You know, it is show 64 in a row and I'm human and I'm not perfect but I'm enough and, you know, and I'll, all I need is a couple of days of rest and I'll be back and I'll be seeing it. Or I was obsessing over someone in the audience who I really wanted to impress and was getting nervous around that. So, that you, you know, you can, um, and then, you know, self-sabotaged, you know, that, that sort of thing. Um, or, or was it, um, yeah, was it purely technical that I just didn't take a good enough supporting breath before I got to that note? Ah, okay, cool. I can fix that up tomorrow. You know, so, um, yeah, the, the ability to be objective in those situations helps with that, with that theory. And, 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 but ultimately what Ben helped me most was, and, and I guess what I was after was, I'd had times in my career where I felt like um, that limitless, invincible um, flow state, like what people say being in the zone is. And I know, like, you know, I keep going back to tennis probably because it's a sport I love, but I think we've all seen, like, you know, Rafa or, or um, Federer or, or Djokovic, you know, um, th- those guys especially because they've been at the top for so long. Um, what is it? They've all won 20 grand slams each or something now. Um, which is ludicrous, um, that you've seen those moments where they're just like they're impenetrable and they're, and they're, everything is so free and like I especially look at Federer because there's so much grace in his gameplay, like where that backhand, could, like it's just like he's got it on a string. Um, and conversely, I'm sure we've seen times when you go, oh, it's probably a bit in his head at the moment. So how do you bottle that zone feeling? Um, and so Ben gave me some real tips and um uh, visualization meditations ar- around how I can can work o- on that um, because ultimately I feel like what's inside of me creatively is, is um is can can be really powerful but how do I how do I um, access that um, and ultimately get out of my own way now Josh for people that have been listening and want to connect with you in some way or join in with all the amazing work you're doing around meditation as well what what are the best ways for listeners to connect with you uh i think instagram is my my way of connecting with people most i'm not on the other um social media platforms as much so it's just josh pitterman p-i-1-t-e-r-m-a-n one n one t one n Josh Pitterman, and then you'll find me. There'll be a picture of a guy in a mask, um, <laughs> and then the link to all those things is in my bio. So there's like you can watch performances and stream my album, but also um, access all the meditation stuff too. 
Amazing. Josh, I've so loved this chat. I've taken so many notes for myself. I'm so keen to try so many of the things that you talked about. So thank you so much for, for chatting with me. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Amanda. Lots of love. Hello there. I hope you enjoyed my chat with Josh. Now, if you have not subscribed or followed How I Work, you might want to hit the subscribe or follow button because next week I'm very excited to have Christian O'Connell on the show who you might have heard doing breakfast on Gold FM. Uh, And we talk about a whole range of things from the panic attacks that Christian was having to experimenting with some breathing techniques during the interview, which was very fun and quite relaxing as well. How I Work is produced by Inventium with production support from Deadset Studios. The producer for this episode was Jenna Coda. And thank you to Martin Nimba, who does the audio mix for every episode and makes everything sound much better than it would have otherwise. See you next time.